<laughs> Good. So, so last year was our first uh, experiment with this, uh, this neighborhood. Uh, we liked it and decided to come back. We thought the room last year was a little bit cramped. Uh, this is a lot less cramped. Um, and I hope that the desk, um, portable desk that you got, uh, make it uh, feel more comfortable. So uh, we're going to have a really good day. I'm Paul Volberting. I'm uh, along with Jerry Freeland. Uh, absolutely delighted to, uh, to be back uh, for our spring course in New York City for the 25th year. 25 years in a row, and it's been, the, silver anniversary. it's been the Paul and Jerry show for the whole time, uh, and we're, we're proud to have done it, and we're really uh, thrilled that you're here and that many of you come back. We're going to ask you how many of you can come, keep coming back in a, in a few minutes, but, uh, but we know we have a great, loyal audience. Um, before we start, um, Jerry and I want to just kind of divide up and talk about uh, some aspects of what's happening uh, in the epidemic, uh, and from uh, from a, a global perspective, the epidemic, uh, as we all know, is still uh, not in control. Uh, still, uh, and I think Warner will talk about this in some of his remarks. Uh, still, only about 50% of people globally are on treatment, uh, but we've made incredible progress. And in many parts of this country, uh, and in other parts of the world as well, the epidemic is coming under really quite dramatic control uh, in, in the, the rollout of uh, test and treat, uh, treatment is prevention, uh, and PrEP, and we're just definitely going to be hearing uh, more about, uh, about all that. So uh, on some levels, uh, what we're hearing is really uh, gives us reason for optimism. I think the concern uh, uh, that Jerry and I both share uh, is that uh, we're facing uh, really uh, potential uh, troubled waters uh, in the health care of our patients, certainly not just our patients, but I think uh, HIV patients are perhaps even more vulnerable than some uh, to uh, what's happening uh, on our political landscape. Uh, domestically, uh, we're concerned, and we know that this audience uh, has a lot of providers who are uh, providing care in a public setting uh, with public support. Uh, and. Uh, we worry uh, that the Affordable Care Act uh, will uh, threaten our HIV uh, care. Uh, we worry about Ryan White. Uh, and uh, domestically, I think uh, uh, we are, um, uh, again, in, in, some, in for some tough times. I think as a community of HIV providers, uh, we've been through this uh, over the decades now. Uh, I think uh, we will survive and, uh, and our patients will do well, but we, I think, have to uh, be really organized in how we approach this. And I don't have an answer. I, I know no one really does, but I think each of us should be uh, doing what we can to preserve the, the care of our patients. The benefits are so real that we don't dare take a chance on, uh, on backsliding. And Jerry, do you want to? No, thank you. I want to echo what Paul said. And uh, acknowledge that I think everyone in the audience, including us, has the same um, sense of um, uncertainty. And in some ways, for those of you who've been around for a while, um, it sort of in some ways feels like the early days of the HIV epidemic when a new thing has happened that was unexpected and the response is denial, I think, which we all have had, and now a certain level of despair and even depression. Um, 
So I think about the history of the HIV epidemic and what's happened in the last 25 years when we moved from that point to where we are now, which is really an incredible um, um, success story. And um, what we did was we resisted those feelings. Um, uh, we became active. We created new systems of care, um, created new knowledge, uh, created a new way of caring for people, young people with a stigmatized fatal disease, and um, um, pushed back, in a sense, the epidemic. And um, <clears throat> I'm not exactly sure how to do the same thing in the current political circumstances, but I think that's our responsibility to figure out. That is, we have to resist. I think the role of activism at all levels, including professional levels within our own professional lives and societies is very, very important. I think particularly in areas where um, patient populations and patients themselves are the most vulnerable. And that's the case in New York City because um, although the success has been spectacular here and the latest numbers were that um, in 2015 there were 2,500 diagnosed cases in the city. That's been a tremendous decline. And the goal is by 2020, and it may be real, realizable that the, uh, the, the new cases will be down to 600. And there's a whole array of programs that many of you participate in, including um, availability of drugs, prevention, uh, harm reduction for people who use uh, drugs, wonderful activism in New York, superb science, um, all put together and all here, um, but 80% of the new diagnoses of HIV in New York are in areas of poverty, impoverished populations and in people of color. And that hasn't changed. In fact, it's gotten even more of the proportion. So a lot of the challenges that many of you face in the, in the places where you practice are very real and continuing and focusing on those populations more intensely if, um, and in a broader way, I think, is much of the concern now, particularly because issues of poverty and stigma and vulnerable populations seem to be the target of our new politicians. And um, so there is this great concern about vulnerability, and I think um, we just want to recognize it without a solution, but uh, understand that we're in this sort of new environment, and uh, it's up to us not just do the, doing the wonderful work that we do on a daily basis with patients, but also to um, push back and fight back, both for our own professional lives, our patients, and the communities that we serve. So um, I have to say also that this is really quite a remarkable group. Um, most of you, as we know, are providers caring for people with HIV disease, and um, a substantial portion of people with HIV disease particularly from um, these very vulnerable populations that are being cared for in many different ways by people in this room. So um, thank you. And you, you are, I've always felt, the unsung heroes and heroines of the epidemic. So I think you should feel that way about what you do, even in this very, very challenging time. Okay. 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 So I wanted to mention uh, one other area of vulnerability that um, is of enormous concern, and that is um, global health and HIV. Um, given the fact that we're now living in America first and the full force of the epidemic has passed, and, um, and most people living with HIV are in 
parts of the world where the resources obviously aren't the same as here. And programs like PEPFAR, which is the largest provider or funder of HIV care um, in, um, in Africa and other places, the Global Fund um, Research at the NIH and um, CDC uh, is the largest provider of new information about HIV from vaccine to, to um, cure to prevention to care. And all of those are uh, on the list of vulnerable also. And you can imagine a circumstance in which that's not considered to be an important priority anymore for the US. And we feel that that's probably the most important, valuable portion of our American um, interaction with the rest of the world. And that is uh, the, major, the major provider of medical care, health, and research globally, and that's certainly been true for HIV and very much uh, at risk. So um, we just have to be aware of that and do the best and what we can to actually preserve these wonderful things that have taken place. So, um, and open for suggestions. Um, so I think we can move on to the agenda, okay? All right, so this is a, um, uh, some housekeeping, and let's see. Um, you see, um, um, let's see, is this one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here we are. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel in this building that we should be singing and dancing, but we, we will try to do that in a, okay. Uh, um, but it really is a magnificent venue, and it's good to see you all comfortable and <clears throat> Okay, so I think you're familiar with the mission of IAS USA, and um, really it's to produce high quality, relevant, balanced, and needs-oriented education and information for the provider community and scientists who are actively involved in medical care and research. And um, the IAS USA is accredited. Uh, by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education, provide continuing medic, um, medical education for physicians. Um, and this is what the course is approved for, for both physicians, nursing, pharmacy. And the, there is information that you have that enables you to actually apply for these um, credits. Um, we pass that, okay. What? You're on. I'm finished. Okay. See you later. <laughs> this is a smoothly running machine that we have here. Not. <laughs> um, so um, all the disclosures are there. Uh, one thing that uh, that went by pretty quickly is that for the first time we have uh, mock. Um, uh, credits for maintenance and certification for ABIM. Uh, so um, I think for a lot of people that's really important because they're not so easy to get, so we're really happy that we have them this time. Uh, I think we passed the slide that um, uh, said we have uh, support from a number of, uh, of, of funders, uh, pharmaceutical uh, sources. Uh, they're here in the room. Uh, they're identified uh, with uh, red badges. We encourage you to talk to them, and we encourage you to thank the sponsors for keeping uh, this course moving along. 
Oh, well, here we go. Um, we're going to exercise your fingers and your little pads in front of you. I think you've all been highly experienced in that. Um, and so do you realize that this is a week from CROI, uh, from the end of CROI, and also that ISUSA is now the managing organization that puts CROI on. Uh, so our staff are the same staff here today that put CROI on a week ago. So uh, credits to, uh, to them for pretty, a pretty amazing job. But the question I'm supposed to ask is, how many of you uh, attended uh, CROI recently last week in Seattle? So you um, have a chance to look at that. Polling is open now. Vote once, only once. Only registered participants can vote. Otherwise, we'll report you. And let's see the data. Yeah, 93% no, 7% yes. And that's, we know that that's, uh, that's about uh, um, uh, the same uh, every year. So uh, for a lot of you, this is your first CROI update. We have a faculty meeting the night before the program, and we were kind of joking, how could you have been to a post-CROI update? People are just getting back still from Seattle. Uh, so answer uh, this question. Have you attended a post-CROI update? Yes, no, this is it. And let's see our data. So 60%, uh, um, this is it. 37, no, only 4% have found some other immediate uh, post-CROI update. Uh, also should point out that basically all of CROI is on the web free. Um, and there are really a number of uh, great presentations. Uh, you'll hear uh, Joe Aaron give a, give a great summary of CROI today. So we want to keep, uh, keep your notepads open for that, because there were some really great uh, stuff. So with that, I'm going to turn um, to the rest of the program and um, get started with our first speaker. <laughs>